Hello, and welcome to Quest, a vineyard church where we experience life as friends with faith through encountering God, loving others, and making a difference in our community. If you're new, there will be information at the end of this podcast where you can plug into Quest in person or online. Now let's dive into this week's teaching. Would you just welcome one of my favorite people in the world, Todd Rose. He serves as our missionary in Saratov, Russia. And uh, I just have, yeah. I've worked with a lot of missionaries and known a lot of missionaries, and I am one of the proudest of him of almost anybody I've ever worked with. He does such an amazing job in a tough situation, and I think you're going to be inspired by some of his story today. It's going to inspire you to go deeper in your faith and to pursue God more passionately. So thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. It's wild to be here because uh, even though I grew up in Westerwood, this is the longest I've ever gone uh, from being home. This time, uh, the last time I was in Columbus or Westerwood was two years ago. And uh, for a Westerwood boy like me, even though I don't sound like that right now, give me a little bit more time. If give me another month, I should be get this little accent thing going, but uh, we'll see. My dad still says to me, he'll be in the next service, he says, why do you sound so funny? You sound like you're from Michigan or something. Uh, right? So we'll see. Maybe by the end of the service, we'll have it figured out. But no, it's, it's great to be here. Uh, this, not only has it been the longest time I've been gone, but this trip, it's the longest that my whole family's been with me. It's been nine years since my whole family had, had joined me. We were four back then. We're seven now. Uh, so it was a big, some of you made some big sacrifices to help us come here as a family. It was a big thing for us. I, I, with all my heart, I say I appreciate it. Uh, we couldn't have come without the help of the church and without the help of the, that many of you provided for us. I appreciate it with all my heart. And my family does too. They are loving it, believe me. It's, we've been to the zoo more times than I remember. But um, it's been, for me, the last couple of years, uh, I remember one time when Scott Marriott told me uh, that he, he read a story that uh, a missionary does their most effective work after they've been on the field for 10 years. And he told me that when I just moved over. And I, I wanted to shoot him when he said that because it scared me. And to, to, but to be honest, it's, it's probably true. Uh, the last two years, uh, it's probably of the 20 that I've been living in Russia now, uh, are uh, I think easily the, the two most productive years that we've ever had, the most exciting for me personally from a ministry standpoint. They've just been wonderful. For, if you, for those of you that follow us, uh, we're living in a town called Saratov. It's about 500 miles south of Moscow, down on the Volga River. And uh, I've been there working with a big church, the biggest church in like a five-state area there. It didn't start that way, but we've, we've grown up. It's been a wonderful thing. They're called uh, Word of Life. But over the last eight, nine years, I started working with international students that have come into Saratov. At first, you, just, there, you never would see anybody, uh, African-American, Indian, uh, down from uh, South American. Nobody, there's just nobody like that in Russia. It's, it's very different from, from Columbus, Ohio. And so all of a sudden, nine uh, years ago, international students started pouring into Saratov. It's, uh, it's a cheaper education than the West. Where it's about $4,000 a year for most, most of my students are in medical school. And so I started back then working with the international students uh, doing a, in an international church. So every Sunday, we have right now about 150 people on Sundays, and they're from 25 different countries, from, mostly from, from Africa. So it's kind of a, uh, my Russian pastor friends say that I'm the most complex person they know because I'm an American living in Russia, working with Africans and Indians. It's a, 
but it's a, but from a, like I said, from a minister standpoint, it's just it's been the greatest time. Every year we get to send back, send into send back home twenty or so odd students that, that I've worked with for five or six years, and we just we've poured into from a missionary world impact standpoint. I probably am in the best place that a missionary could ask for. It's it's wonderful. At the same time, this has probably been these last two years. Not, of the, have, not only have there been changes here uh, that are massive, but the changes are there are massive. And not many of them are good towards the evangelical Protestant church. Uh, these are obviously the last two years have just been, well, a year and a half ago, I, I called Ross on a, on a, a fine Saturday afternoon. I said, I'm probably going to be deported just to let you know. And it was close. It was touch and go. The, there's some laws that have been changed. We'll talk about that later on. But it's been a difficult time politically, and uh, it's not going to get better in the near term. Uh, and in fact, when I was talking to Ross and Wendy, I said, do you really want me to share right now? Uh, I'm going to be sh- uh, speaking today, and then a month from now again. I said, is this the best time for the church to hear Russia stories? Because every time you turn on the TV here, it's just Russia, Russia, right? And so I figured I would just come and tell you the real story about Russia. I'm kidding. Yeah, so... So now, so turn with me to Second Timothy chapter one. 2 Timothy chapter one. We in in Saratov have found some great uh, strength from the scriptures that I'm going to read today, in terms of how to how to live for God, how to serve God effectively, how to be a raging fire for for Christ, if you will, uh, in a world that seems to be a downpouring. On the fire that you have, seems to be a waterfall, a Niagara Falls raining down on on that fire that the spirit inside of you. So, uh, let me read it with you today. Second Timothy chapter one. I'm going. We'll just read from the start. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as day and night. I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, or me, his prisoners. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel. By the power of God, he has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, and has, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I am appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as a pattern for sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Amen. So, uh, there's a lot here. In fact... I, I, since I work with students, I always give them homework. I'll give you some for this week. I'd say uh, I, I, my students range from 17 to, to 50, so I would say that everybody here is included in that. So homework this week is read First, first Timothy in the morning and read Second Timothy at night and dig in and, and let it sink in. But Paul here is writing to his, 
to Timothy, his boy in the faith. I just, if you read First and Second Timothy, you see that Paul, there's, there might even be some feelings of loneliness for Paul. He says that everybody else has abandoned me. Uh, I, you're the only one kind of I've left. But he says, the, the purpose, as I see it in First and Second Timothy, is for, is for Paul. He's telling his son in the faith that these are the things that you can do. These are the things that you need to do in order to be a better minister. Uh, in order to build a better church that's going to have influence in the pagan society that you have. And at one point, he says, Timothy, guard your, your, your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you'll save not only yourself, but your hearers as well. Paul is telling Timothy, these are the things you can do. Uh, you can, here's how to put, uh, put uh, deacons in place, how to put elders in place. Here's, there's a male female cl- a conflict taking place. There's false teachers. And here are the things. Here's the structures. Here's how to use your gifts in order to be the best minister, in order to build the most influential church, to change the culture that you live in. And if you look closely, I think you can see two powerful truths from, from just even verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. I see, first of all, that at rebirth, at that moment where, you, where you, you go down your knees, you put your hands up in the air and you say, Jesus, I've lived my life my own way. Forgive me my sins. Help me to be a follower of you. I see that you died for me. I see that you, that you, you, you loved me so much that you died and you, you took all my sins and you removed them as far as the east is from the west. And I don't want to live my own way anymore. I don't want to be my, my own person apart from you. I want to be completely surrendered to you. Forgive me of my sins. And help me to live for you. You died for me. I'm going to live for you. If you've, if you've said that with all of your heart and, 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 and given your life in a surrender to Christ, some amazing things took place. You were adopted. You became a child of God. He chose you. He, he loved you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. But there's something I think could, might even be even more powerful. Because in that moment, it says that he gifted you. In that moment, he says that spiritual gifts were given to you. Spiritual gifts from God in order to help you be the, the most powerful, influential, the most the, a light into the world. Gifts were given to you. Do you hear me? That you were gifted spiritually in order to help equip the church, in order to help strengthen the body, and to help be a light to this world to bring other people to Christ. In that moment, at the same time, God is sovereign and given those gifts. But at the same time, another truth is here, is that although he's sovereign and given the gifts, he leaves much of the fanning of those gifts up to us. He gives the gifts, but it seems to me from these scriptures that he gives us a spark. He gives us a deposit. He puts an initial deposit in us with the giftings that we have. But it's up to us to turn those little sparks, to turn the initial investment that he gives into a raging fire. Yes, God gave it, but he leaves the responsibility to maintain it up to us. I just believe with all my heart that the message here in 2 Timothy is, Timothy, feed the flame that was put in you. Feed that. I, I, I know your grandma. I know your mom. They prayed for you. They, they taught you. They gave you. The elders, we, we put our hands on you and we prayed for you because we knew the job was so mighty. We knew the, cha- the task ahead of you was so incredible. But, but we saw something in you, Timothy. So we put our hands on you. We prayed for you. And we, we saw this, this teaching gift. I think if you look in First and Second Timothy, it just rages at you that, that, that Timothy's, Timothy's gift is as a teacher, as a preacher. And he said, we see it in you now. It's not enough to just sit back and, 
And let, and let that be enough. You've got to reach this. You got, I, in South Africa, I cook out all the time. I bought an American barbecue, and, and everybody loves to come over. I, I've got this great little plastic thing that just you know, fan the flame. And I went looking for one here, and the, apparently you guys don't need those here, but we do. And our charcoal is so bad, but that's a different story. And so he says, take the gift that you have and just and fan it. It's not enough to have a spark. It's not enough to sit back and say, oh, God has gifted me great. Grab a Cuban cigar. <laughs> Fain it. Fain it so that the gift that you have is a raging fire that consumes. Don't be a spark. Be a raging fire. Do whatever you need to do to make sure that there's a flame raging in you. And Paul says, guard it, value it, protect it from the rain. Put more wood on the fire. Keep blowing, son. It's the most important deposit outside of salvation that you have. Don't take it for granted. And I know that Paul knows that it's not going to be easy. He knows that in the first century Ephesus as well as 21st century Westerville, there are many factors that are constantly around us raining down on our fire. In fact, I think worldwide, you don't have to be from, you don't have to be in Russia. I keep saying I'm from Russia. I'm from Westerville. I'm proud of that. It doesn't matter where you are around the world. I think the biggest battle we face as Christians is, is fanning our flame. It's keeping that spirit that God has given us amidst the downpour like we had Friday, the downpour of rain on us, of all the factors raining on us to keep the, the spirit of God, the, the gifts that God has given us to, to, to fan them into an amazing fire. If you look at First and Second Timothy, which you are promising me that you're going to do this week, so um, look at the things that are taking place in Timothy's life. They're all, they're all, many of them are listed here. Problems in the church. There's false teaching. They got male-female problems. Some, Paul's, going to, Paul's asking that different leaders are going to be removed. Uh, many commentaries say they didn't want to be. They, want, they decided not to be removed. So he's got a mess. Some people are preaching for the wrong motives. Timothy's got health problems. Timothy's despised by other leaders. In 1 Corinthians 16, it's an, there's an amazing verse that says, Paul's saying to the Corinthian church, when Timothy comes, see that he has no reason to fear while he's with you. Why would Timothy, I guess, speaker, have something to fear? For he's carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am now. No one should then treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. Poor Timothy. He's away from home, 400 miles. He come from, comes from the little city now. He's in the big city. Uh, there's some government persecution. Paul's in jail waiting for his execution. He's got huge responsibilities to reach the pagan culture of Ephesus. And, and I think every day he has a daily reminder of the, of the, of the challenge in front of him with the, 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 Ar- the temple of Artemis, the temple of Diana, the great 167 columns surrounding it with the Amazon women uh, carved on top, on top by the best uh, sculptures of the day. And just many uh, scholars say that's one of, the, one of the greatest seven wonders of the world at the time. Just an incredible everyday worship of all sorts are taking place at that temple. And he has, a, he has a daily reminder. Maybe he walks by that place every day. Just a daily reminder is, what can I possibly do in this place? I'm this young man. What can I do? Look at the culture. How can I possibly change this? It doesn't say anything about it in First and Second Timothy, but if he's anything like you or I, Timothy de- deals with sin as well. 
And it's no wonder then that Paul tells Timothy to fan the flames of the gift of God that he's put in him. Because I believe that if you don't, under the downpour of just normal life, the waterfall that rages on him, that flame is not just going to weaken, it's going to flicker and then disappear. But there's a promise. If you'll fan the spark, you'll see the fire. Now listen, where I come from, I preach with about 150 and Af- mostly African students. So when I speak, they're a little bit more lively than you are. So we've got to do something. Uh, <laughs> would you turn to your neighbor and say, if you'll fan the spark, you'll see the fire. Nobody's doing that. We're in Western Ohio. I forgot. I forgot. Right, so turn to your neighbor. Even if it's somebody you know, so at least I can hear it back. Do it for me. Help me one time, would you? If you'll fan the, the spark, you'll see the fire. At least I heard a murmur this time. Praise God. Okay. Can I tell you, it's funny. During one of those moments of kind of self-pity in my own life, you have them too, don't worry, but uh, I compared my own life with Timothy. Don't do that. I mean, there's two things you don't do. Don't do that. And also when you have symptoms of like sickness, don't check it out on the internet and find out that you're going to die in three days. Just don't do that. So. But don't compare. Uh, and so uh, <clears throat> I looked at my own life and I thought, yeah. Timothy's got problems in the church. He's a baby. I mean, he's the poor guy. I got 25 different countries represented in every service I have. My worship team has 12 different people, 12 different nations. And they sing uh, 80% of the songs. I have no idea what they say because they're in African. And uh, I kid you not, the, the, the week before I came back, this really did happen. That the worship is just, I mean, people were dancing up front. And it was just, it was African. It was wild. It was great. It was West African, it turns out. Because after the service, somebody comes up to me and they're just sweating and they say, that was the best worship we've ever had. That, uh, Pastor, that was incredible. If we could have that every Sunday, it'd be incredible. 30 seconds later, that was that person was from Ghana. 30 seconds later, a guy from South Africa comes up to me. He's got his hands in his pockets. And what does he say? He says, that was the worst worship we've ever had. <laughs> What are we doing here? I don't know how anybody could put up with that. Their voices are off tune. The musicians just learned to play. It's terrible. And it's funny. Now, you laugh and I do too. But, it, I mean, it happens so often. Usually in the fall when the new students start to come in, is that you see that everybody wants to do church like they do it back home. It's like, and I, if I heard that phrase a million times, it's, but pastor, we've got to do things differently because we don't do that in Ivory Coast. We don't do that in Gabon. We don't do that in Namibia. I mean, I've learned places that, I did, if you asked me five years ago when Namibia was, I would never find it. And I say, and we work and we, we fight and we, we bring it together to say, who are we? We're not a West African church. We're not a South African church. We're not a Russian church. We're certainly not an American church. We're an international service. We're an, and I think every church on this great world should be like that. You follow me? And so we have a device that we use and it's powerful for us. It says we're from different nations. We have to speak different languages, different cultures, but we're all unified, united together by God, by the love of God, all for the glory of God. We know why we're here. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to give up our preferences. We're going to, but we're going to find a, a, a unity here. But it is a, it's a messy unity at times, make no mistake. Timothy is 500 miles away from home. I got him beat by 5,000. He's got the temple of Artemis. We've got the Russian culture. He's got his cultural statement. I mean, if, if 1% of Saratov was Christian, we would think revival was breaking out. If the Russian Orthodox Church would leave us alone for five minutes, maybe we'd hit that 1%. I 
can say this here. I, I wouldn't say back home, but Timothy has Nero. We, we've got a guy like that. I didn't name him. My phone's still on. I'm just making sure. I mean, so. I mean, and so I just went on. Timothy doesn't have five kids. He doesn't have uh, a wife that can't argue with me correctly because we don't understand all the, each other all the time in, in English and Russian. I, I throw in MSNBC, male pattern boldness, and I'm just calling Timothy a wimp. He's just a, he's a baby. He's a baby. Come on, Timmy. I'm just playing. I'm sorry. See, I mean, here, talking about Nero, our version, this, this, uh, this was about a year and a half ago. We were trying to do an event, and uh, in the morning, uh, it, got, it got put off. And I'm, I pick up my phone, and, and, uh, and I said, hello. And a person that speaks much better English than I do says, where are you, Mr. Todoros? And I said, I just have a guest that you pretty much already know where I am. And he says, well, yeah, we do. we do. Could you be at your office in 15 minutes? I said, yeah. I get there in the attorney general's office, the assistant to the governor, the anti-extremism, anti-terrorism, the FSB, which is the, the new security bureau. I just had uh, 20 policemen of every different type. And, and they're looking at me like, as I walk into the room, they, they're looking at me like, who is this God that has put this city in such an uproar? I felt like Paul a little bit. And, uh, and, I, and I just, I walked in. I said, can I get you guys some coffee? <laughs> and I, and and the, the attorney, uh, the uh, governor's assistant, she's a lady that's like six foot. She just looks at me and she can't believe it. And she's, <clears throat> they pulled me together and they said, Mr. Todros, you've got to understand. There are two things in Russia. This is in, in February 2016. There are two things that are in Russia that are just not going to happen in 2016. And we have, an amazing, we have amazing resources and people and money and the budget we have. It's incredible for all those offices. These two things are not going to happen. Number one, there's not going to be any act of terrorism in our city. Number two, there's not going to be any Western influence in our city that's going to push us farther away than who we are as Russians. Not politically and not in any other way. And here, the governor gets a phone call at 10 o'clock last night and finds out there's some sort of guy named Todd Rose that's working in a cult called Word of Life. And he's bringing 300 international students to do a camp. And he's going to teach them who knows what to do who knows what in our town. It's not going to happen. And we talked and we argued and we, we pushed through it. And uh, he basically, he's, he's sitting in, the, in, the, in, in his car kind of talking with me. He says, let me give you some advice. You've got, you got to close this meeting down. If you don't, that church that you love so much, 45 days or a half, it'll have the, 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 the tape over top, all the doors, the seal with the governor, and it won't open. And so they made official in August what they started to do uh, with us in February nationwide in Russia now. There's what they call the anti-extremism laws. Uh, and the law says basically from, for, for Russians, I'll, I'll start with that. A Russian is not allowed to, you're, by the, according to the Constitution, you're allowed to share your faith outside as long as you don't invite anybody to your church. So if this week any of you have done any of these things, I'll tell you the fine here in a minute. Just get it ready. And so the fine would be, so you're not allowed to invite anybody to church. I did that, right? And so uh, you're not allowed to um, pass out any materials in any way, give out somebody a Bible, give somebody a booklet. Uh, you're not allowed to do that. And, and if somebody comes to church as a guest, uh, I don't know if there's any guests here, but the minute that that, that uh, guest comes to the church, then that, uh, the church, the, the service becomes missionary activity. And it becomes kind of illegal if anybody would go up and kind of influence them to be a part of that church. 
You're not allowed to... Missionary activity is completely illegal uh, now inside, inside all of Russia. And so one church, that they did a video on YouTube to, uh, to say, hey, we want to... They did in English for their international students in their town. So, hey, we're having an Easter service. Would you like to come? And uh, if you would, the service starts at this time, this day. Come on. And so the fine was $15,000, which the, the church that I work with would be one year of the offerings just for having an internet invitation. So one person was, he's a, an Indian, not from our town, but he was working in the ushers team in his church. And a guest came in, and guests come in different varieties. There are r- real guests, and then there are paid working guests with a badge. And so he comes in, and they, as, they, as they say, are there any guests here for the first time? He raised his hand, and uh, a guy comes and gives him the welcome materials. And there was a police car waiting for him outside. He had a wife. He had a, a daughter that was one years old. She was Russian, my situation as well. Um, but he was, he was deported in the home by Wednesday. That's normal right now. And from a Westerner, from anybody outside the country, the situation is a lot worse. as because no Westerner uh, has the right to do any missionary activity. If, if you speak on Sunday without your, you have, you have to have like a preacher's license now uh, that I, I don't have yet. It's a, quite an amazing process, if you, as you might imagine. I should have it waiting for me when I get back. But the only way to do any type of missionary activity is to have your little badge from, from the government say that you, saying that you're approved to, to do this. We had a meeting one time where uh, <clears throat> you, could, you could feel it. It'd be about, about this size. Just somebody came in before service. They got there a half hour early, and no African student ever does that. So you know right away that something's going on. Right? And so the, uh, the, the Russian guy, about 35, wearing a tie, uh, just right off the bat, you know something's wrong. And, so, and he's walking around talking to everybody but me. I go up to talk to him, and, uh, and, and he just kind of blows me off. And he goes around the other students, and he's asking them mostly about the offering. So it's just you don't have to be a prophetic person to figure out something's not right. And so immediately we just switched to a prayer service. Because if we, anybody gets up, uh, if a singer would get up, they could sing. But if they would exhort in any way, a uh, fifth-year student, they've sacrificed for five years, and they've got one more year left in medical school, they'd be gone by Wednesday. Right? Somebody preaches, somebody takes an offering, if somebody gives a testimony, you're now engaged in missionary activity, which is a Westerner, a foreigner of any kind. It's just, it's absolutely illegal. And so we've kind of, uh, we weren't born yesterday, so we've kind of approached it this way. We, as you walk in now, the door of our church, there's a big thing. It says in English and in Russian. Uh, it has just big letters. If you walk into this building, you recognize now that you're not a guest. You're, you're a member just like any one of us. So by walking into this building, now we make you sign a form. You say that there's zero missionary activity taking place. And if a Russian comes into my service and they, they won't fill out the form, we have no choice. I've got no choice. But to say, there's a service that starts at 11 o'clock at, this, at the Russian church, and we'd love to have it come. But God bless you. You can't be a part of this service. It's an amazing time, and it's not going to get better. Uh, the folks in Moscow that I've talked to say that a couple, a couple years from now, a new law is coming, that if you're not, and only, the only way to get that badge right now, it, uh, it, it's very difficult. But in the future, in order to preach on Sunday morning in any, in any capacity, anybody Russian or or otherwise. There aren't any that I know. There are, there are just a very few missionaries left in Russia. 
But in order to preach it all, coming soon will be this a new law that says you have to uh, have a, a theological degree from a from a, a Russian university, accredited Russian university, to allow you to preach on Sunday. Otherwise, that's an illegal activity as well. And that would take care of about 99% of the, the pastors that I've ever met. So. But again, I say, make no mistake, let the scripture speak to you today. I know that you don't have to be in pagan Ephesus or even live outside the United States to have your flame washed out. Many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's easy to live this life daily and get the emails and and go to work and receive ridicule even on any way that just normal life rains down there that rain on each one of us to put out the flame that God of His Holy Spirit in us, to put out the flame of, of God's giftings in us. Ha. I, th- I think it's the greatest challenge that we face. But Paul, praise God, and I see my time is already short. Uh, Paul di- didn't leave us without the, the, the ways to fan our flames. So if you, if you want to write this down, put it in your, in your uh, cell phones. Uh, think about it this week. Talk it over in your home groups if you, if you have them this week. But how do we fan the flames? Uh, first of all, it's not going to be easy. Paul, the man who's writing it from jail, pretty much tells you that it's not going to be easy. But he uses some incredible words to talk about how to fan the flames. And none of them are pleasant. Devote yourself. Don't neglect. Be diligent. Be fully devoted. Be prepared. Endure. Teach. Command. Flee. Continue on. Watch. Guard. Make your best ever. Fight. And Timothy 6.20 says, First Timothy, Timothy, guard. Keep watch over what has been entrusted to your care. So first, first I would say how to fan it in the flames. You got to value it. You got to value that gift that God put in you. You got to say to yourself and to the whole world around you and to hit Jesus on the throne and say, ah, thank you. I bless you for the, this deposit you've put in me. Now, I want to fan it into flames. I'm going to protect it. I'm not going to let anything, not, not Nero. I'm not going to let my Uncle Bob. I'm not going to let words set against me. I'm not going to let busyness. I'm going to, not going to let sin. I'm going, not going to let anything rain down on my gift. I want, to, I want it to, to transform this world. That's why I was born. That's why I'm here. That's why he chose me is to make a difference in this, in this world for his kingdom so that this church will grow to be a church that the gates of hell can't stand against. And where I came from, somebody would have said amen and yelled out loud, but that's okay. <laughs> a couple other ideas. Use your gifts. See them grow. You fan by serving. First Timothy 4, 6. If you point these out to the brothers and sisters, you'll be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you followed. 4.11, command and teach these things. 4.13, devote yourself to the public reading of scriptures, remembering that Timothy is uh, gifted in preaching and teaching. Preach and teach. Don't neglect your gift, which was given to you through prophecy. When the body of elders laid their hands on you, be diligent. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone so that everyone may see your progress. Tim, when you use your gifts, you're going to grow. And people, other people around you that maybe just are settling for that spark, they'll see it and be inspired to do the same. A friend of mine, I used to come home every year. And I always came home at the, the end of April because it was, it was a softball season. And I, I came home every year at the same time, end of April, left in the middle of July. And uh, played, I, was, I used to play eight nights a week, if that's possible. And, and a friend of mine, <clears throat> a friend of mine uh, uh, two weeks ago asked me to, to, would you come and play, play in our, our guys' team? 
And I said, yes, I was excited. I couldn't walk for a week. I mean, I, he put me a catcher. That's probably a very wise decision. I, I have, and so just that whole motion of up, up, down, up, down. I mean, the arch of my foot was so swollen and so, so much in pain. And I'm not, I'm not even like 87 yet. It just, <laughs> I was in so much pain. It reminded me when I was in Sarata about two months ago, I was just in so much pain. I, I, and it took me like a month to go to the doctor because I'm a man. We do that. And, and I'm in the lower part of my part. I just did, I couldn't do it. I'm crying. And my wife said, well, we're going. So we went and they did all the MRIs and computers and all that. And the doctor has to sit down and she said, I find no medical reason for, for what's going on. Uh, there's no hernias. There's no bulging, whatever. It's all. And so she said, well, tell me, tell me about your lifestyle. You know, are you an athletic guy? And I, I just, of course, and my wife's doing that. You know. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing? And she said, well, do you, do you play sports? I'm like, yeah, football and uh, American football and and baseball, and she said, well, when was the last time you, you really were involved in athletics? And I, I said, I'm 19-something, yeah. And she started laughing, and she said, well, look, yeah, you can tell. You just, you want to get, you, you want to see this back pain go away? Start using your back a little bit more. I'll give you, give you some exercise to do, and I mean, the exercises were embarrassing to me. I mean, they really were, some of you know, she's like, just lay down your bed and lift your feet up. I'm like, am, am I in that bad of shape that, that I got to do this little, you know? I mean, this, this tall rose, I played football, I played baseball, I was, and, 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 and I realized over time that this is the most sport that I do anymore. I mean, my fingers are strong. I mean, my tongue is like, I mean, it, it's powerful, right? But over time, uh, you follow me? I hope that the Spirit of God is, is moving in, in you right now because some of, our, some of our flames are the same way. Some of, some of us have a, have a spark and you know that you should have a flame. You know that God invested something in you and you knew it at one time, but, but over time, it's the, the rushing waters of this life has kept it down. Let today be a... A new day for you. First Timothy 4. In the presence of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, these are just powerful words. And in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead in a view of his appearing and his kingdom. And in light of God, in light of Jesus and all that he's done for us. Timothy, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Use your gift. Do something. If you feel you're getting weak, fan. Get stronger in your gifts. If God has called you to teach, gifted you to do so, teach. Spend time learning the Word. If He's called you to lead, lead. If you have a gift of service, serve people. If you have a gift of mercy, make a meal, visit someone. If you have the gift of administration, help me. (laughs) Whatever you have, whatever has been deposited in you, Put it to use. Next, pursue personal holiness and righteousness. We're talking about things Timothy is told by Paul to do in order to fan his flame. First Timothy 4, 7. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training has some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for the present life and the life to come. First Timothy 5, 22. Keep yourself pure, my son. 6. But you, man of God, flee from all of this, the love of money, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. 
Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you recall when you, were made, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and, and of Christ Jesus who while testifying before Pilate made the good confession. I charge you, I challenge you, I a son, I command you, keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Flee the evil desires of your youth. Pursue righteousness. I just, it, it breaks my heart sometimes when I see an African uh, international student come and they're just so impassioned in their first year. Yeah, you see kind of a flame in them. Some, many of them, are, their, their dads are pastors and it's, it's, uh, it's Africa. So the, their dads are apostles. They got, and they got churches all over and they come, they got a flame. They say, Pastor, give me the microphone. I'm ready to preach. Uh, and over time, they made sacrifices at first, but when they look around and see that no one else is making them, they kind of stop making them. And they look around and see that some people are getting involved in relationships to make life easier, and they're not at first. Some people are going to clubs because you stand out as an international student in Saratov. I mean, you're the, you're the hit of the party. You're new. You're, you're, you're intriguing. And while many go to the clubs, at first they don't, but they do later, many of them. They go to church every Sunday because church isn't something they do. It's, it's who they are. It's, it's a necessity. It's a, it's a passion for them. But then they see that not everybody goes to church every week. And there's studies and there's sickness and there's financial problems and there's homesickness. Little by little, you see that flame go out. Exams are difficult. Medical school is it's amazingly difficult for them. And the Russian language is the worst language in the world. And little by little, with daily life, sin comes in. And that flame turns into a flicker. And they, I see it all the time. They rationalize and they say, it's all right. I've got a flicker. Most people around me don't even have that. And so they start to rationalize. They start to reconcile their own situation. But you can see a battle taking place in their minds. They say, I know I was born for something greater. I know that God had intended on me. I know what it used to be like. And there's a battle at that moment for them to say, who am I going to be? What faith am I going to have? Am I going to, be, am I going to settle for having a little spark in this, in this dark, dark society? Or am I, going to, am I going to fight? Am I going to push? I'm going to devote myself. I'm going to work to have a flame that changes this place. Friends, it's the same for us. Lastly, recognize what's at stake to you and those around you. Watch your life, Timothy. Watch your doctrine your closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you'll save the people listening to you. You'll save the people around you. I think Paul would say, Timothy, you don't see it now. I do. I saw it when we prophesied over you, laid our hands on you. Your gifts, your efforts, they're going to have an impact in Ephesus that you can't. Maybe you don't see it now, son. Maybe you don't get it. Maybe you're intimidated by that temple around you. But, the, the, but the, Timothy, we're at the starting stages of this thing called Christianity right now. And your role is so important. Your role is so vital. That you fight for this. Push on. Use your gift. Let it rage. And you do it. And you're going to put it in other people. And they're going to put it in other people. And something amazing is going to take place. You don't see it now. But centuries later, the impact that you're going to have is going to be beyond your understanding. I'll conclude with this to say, I, I look at the, a friend of mine went to Ephesus not long ago from Russia, took a trip. And of that temple, there's one of the 167 columns left 
There's this one standing up there, and it's been, it's not even the original. For centuries, they couldn't even find the place. But now they left one column. My friend takes a picture and says, that's amazing. It's a column from the, uh, from the, the great one of the world. It's, it's for, he says, to me, it was, it's just a great example of antique Greek and Roman culture. To me, it's, uh, it's one of the greatest pictures of, of Christian culture. Is it, to me, it's one of the greatest pictures of what one man, what one boy, what one young man can do if he'll say, I'm going to fight for this flame that's inside of me. Man, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to do it with all my heart, soul, and strength. I'm going to fan the gift that's in me into a fire because, and he didn't see it in his day, but 200 years later, they burnt that place down. And the whole area was Christian. And I think it's because of one, well, you could argue and say it's one boy had an incredible influence to change a culture. And right now that one little column that's left up is to me one of the greatest examples of what you and I can do in this life if we will fan the flame that God deposited in us, the investment he put in us that demands a return. Would you close your eyes? I'll pray for you. Jesus, we love you. It's our greatest desire to become more like you. It's our greatest desire, Jesus, to, to not just to, to, to be in heaven with you someday, but to, 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 but to bring your kingdom here on earth, Father, that other people would see your salvation, that other people would be impacted by our lives, by, by the words we say, by the, the good things that, that we do, that by, the, by our, our leadership abilities, by our serving, by, our, by the gifts that you put in us. God, if I could give anything back to my hometown or to my church here that, that loves us so much, God, I'd say, please, fan the flame that they have, fan the spark that they have into flame. And Jesus, I'd say, please, if there are folks here today that their spark is, is weakened over time because of inactivity, because of, because of sin, because they didn't value it necessarily. Just life just came rushing down on them like a waterfall to put it out. Father, I say, rekindle it today. Fan it into flame, Father. They will help others. They help this church. They will lead this city to you, God. Oh, Father, fan the flame in us. Fan it in us. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. If you're loving Quest Podcast, let us know on Facebook or Twitter by using the hashtag GoToQuest. For more information on Quest, who we are, and what God is doing here, or if you would like to help support Quest financially, please visit us at GoToQuest.org. That's G-O-T-O-Quest.org. Thanks for listening.